Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. was possibly actually no not even possibly definitely the weakest episode of AEW Dynamite in 2023 that is a criticism of the episode I'm not even gonna pull any punches I'm not gonna say yeah but the amazing standard of Dynamite in 2023 so far even if it was a little bit of course it'd be the weakest no this was an objectively below average show I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Luke Owen, DAD. Welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast review of AEW Dynamite. If you haven't already, press the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Leave your thoughts down below with what you thought of this episode and send in your Omega chats to WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them over five US dollars. Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, are you looking to me now to talk? Yeah, talk about how much you hate it. <laughs> Well, do you know what? I mean, if I may, if I may say something positive about this show, because I know, like, I know I'm not allowed to because because <laughs> of the anti-AEW bias and the anti-AEW rhetoric uh, that runs mm. throughout WrestleTalk. I feel like I am being silenced in yeah, uh, being yeah. able to say positive things. Oh, I'm uh, incredibly toxic. About this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you did bully me slightly before we came on air to tell me, don't you dare say something. I yeah, if you can't see it, but I've spray painted all of Luke Owen's bottom half green because that's how you—that's how you bully people. I mean, it's not—it's not actually. I mean, specifically, you can't just say my bottom half, just my bum. It was just the bum. Yeah, I was—I wanted it to make it look like you'd done a comedy fart. I—I I did have a sign at one point that said, "I thought this episode was okay, but you tore it up." Then I pulled you. Over, over the, the desk yeah, and sat me in this chair, then sprayed my bum a little bit green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Ruby Ho- Soho scared me away. <laughs> uh, I thought this main event was fine. Cool. <laughs> I really did. And you know what? I I, uh, I liked what it set out to do, mm. and I thought that it actually accomplished exactly what it set out to do. And I actually think that the booking of it was very solid and very good. It's just, it's a story that no one particularly cares about and therefore has gotten over. It, do you know what it reminds me of? The first year of the Dark Order. Mm. 
Remember that main event angle that they did where they destroyed the elite? And then one was like, ah, worst dynamite of the year. That, that was awful. But really, it was just an angle that no one particularly cared about. It was a well-executed angle, just not one that people cared about. I think that's the same thing here. This was a, it was a good story. It's a story that is, I'm going to remove the word good there. Mm -hmm. It is a story that is being told well. It is just a story that no one cares about. Yeah, it's well, or, or a crap story. Uh, that's being told coherently. It's difficult because for the women's division main event, I've not got anything to say really because I've said it all for the last couple of months. I I think Soraya and Tony's act is massively one-dimensional and the sort of we are bad guys spraying mm -hmm. people is the same level of uh, just rubbishness. Mm -hmm. I remember when the Riot Squad just used to Chuck condiments over people. And it's ironic, really, because the person they're trying to recruit is Ruby Soho. Always think that. Um, the, and and the, the sort of the, the main event, having this as the main event, cool, we put the women in the main event, but at the same time, this story doesn't justify it. It felt like it was building to a crescendo where Ruby would pay off all this intrigue. I never thought that. Uh, I mean, the, the crowd certainly did. Because I don't think the crowd did either. It ended like a fart. Well, I mean, you are right. The the bloodline should have just attacked Sami Zayn the week after he joined <laughs> the group because, you know, well, we know where the angle's heading, so we may as well just pull it off now. Yeah. I am not into the women's division story, uh, unfortunately. My problem is with the rest of the episode. I think if you put this, it is nowhere near as good as all the episodes we've had this year, but not much is because I think Dynamite has been consistently terrific since the start of January. It's the it's the follow up to the tag title change That's I bad. thought was massively misjudged. Presenting the acclaimed in a comedy match against Jeff Jarrett, whose dad had just died. I'm not saying they buried Jeff Jarrett or anything. I'm just like, how can I cheer the acclaimed against this guy? Well, the, the crowd certainly cheered the acclaimed more than they did Jarrett because Jarrett's such a good heel that the crowd still booed him, despite the fact his dad was dead. I can't argue Jeff Jarrett's <laughs> awesomeness. I tried. He convinced me I was wrong. I will forever apologize. Um, but the rest of the episode had, had decent bits, like newsworthy bits. I thought Wardlow's promo was excellent. Christian returned, really enjoyed the tornado tag. But I just feel like after, as soon as Danielson, that story of Danielson having banger after banger after banger wrapped up, it's kind of exposed how little AEW has going on story-wise. And we are now a few weeks out from Revolution, and this was a very underwhelming show. And I don't think now is the time to go into your underwhelming gear. Now's the time you're like, boom, this match, boom, this match. It is remarkable, because I said to you this morning, it feels like a show that is not building to a pay-per-view. And yet this was the only episode in the last, you know, I would argue two months that's actually built towards the next pay-per-view outside of Danielson MJF. Because Danielson MJF has been... They've been building that for two months. They've been telling a story over a handful of months to set you up the main event of Revolution. But that is the only match that Tony has really been... You could argue Mox and, mm. uh, Mox and Hangman, I would suppose, actually, yeah. But everything else has just been... All of a sudden on this show, it was just like, and here's what the other matches. Here's what another match is. Here's what another match is. Here's what another match is. I, I would even say they've not built Wardlow Joe... Because Wardlow was gone for a month and a bit. Yeah. They did the haircutting angle, then he was off TV and Joe went into a different feud with, with Darby Allen. Then Wardlow comes back, you know, two weeks ago and then it's like, 
Okay, that's a revolution mm. match. So it feels like it's a company that's not building towards a pay-per-view on a show that did the most to build a pay-per-view. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. On paper, this, did, this was a very heavy pay-per-view building episode. But watching it, why am I so, why does it feel so middling? Um, I don't know. I think Tony and AEW have always had this philosophy mm. of a sports-based program yeah. where I would argue a lot of AEW is thrust forward narratively by matches that are booked. Yeah. Don't worry. Ignore Terry when she comes in. Ignore Terry. Hi, Terry. Thank you, Terry. You've been summoned, yeah. Can you just pull the focus a little bit for us? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Uh, it's thrust forward narratively by these matches are being made. Mm -hmm. Not so much storylines and characters driving things, although they, they do sometimes play a part. But now that is... Sorry, Terry adjusting the focus completely distracts me from my amazing point. I know. Well, I, I was a bit distracted earlier because I, I saw a lot of people being like, I think the shot's a bit blurry. And I was like, oh, it's because it was set up for something else yesterday. It's also because me and Luke are getting older. And we thought one way to cheat age was mm -hmm. rub Vaseline all over the lens <laughs> like we're early 40s Hollywood starlets. Yeah, as I approach my early 40s. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just feel like... AEW and Tony Khan as a booker has mm. been doing this three years now, amazingly, amazingly well for the most part. I feel like the promotion is running out of a bit of steam narratively, creatively. Matches cannot complain about. Incredible matches all the time. But there's only so many amazing matches I can take. I can't believe I'm saying this. That, isn't that the, a mad thing? So yeah. uh, Trevor made this point. Trevor Damon on Twitter made this point last week. Where on uh, CJ, thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. When you had Danielson and Rouge and Takeshita and MJF. And like Trevor made the point. It was like, 10 years ago, if you had one of those matches yeah. on a show, that would have been like a tape trading thing of like everyone would have been sort of like, do you remember that? And we had a TV show last week where we had two of them on the same show and it was just like a that's ah, a fine episode of dynamite i guess and the elite versus ar fox and top flight well, i thought last last week's episode was was pretty decent especially in rings phenomenal but this week there was no great matches there were good matches good matches not not to AEW's standard that they've set this year sort of a victim of their own success oh yeah but when you remove those mind-blowing you know just five years ago would be five star matches like, ah, there's not actually much going on here that I can sink my teeth into. And I think that's what it then exposes the main events and has sort of like, I think, put a bit of a microscope on it to be like, uh, oh, OK, well, maybe this was this was a problem main event then. And actually, this main event angle sucks and the storyline sucks and the in-ring action sucked because there was nothing else on the show to distract a viewer to be like, well, maybe that wasn't as great as it could have been, but we also had this amazing match down here. When you don't have that, all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, that women's main event scene isn't all that great. And actually, yeah, the tag scene isn't great. They just put the belts on the ass boys to get a reaction from the internet. And that worked. Hmm. But it has also massively undermined the acclaim. They feel less over this week. And the tag scene as a whole does not feel as complete as it once did. When you don't have something to distract a viewer. Yeah. And, and I think this show sort of exposes that somewhat just to concentrate specifically on the women's main event because we'll cover everything else segment by segment some of it was great most of it was middling some of it was bad uh so we had a three-way between Britt baker ruby soho and tony storm uh, soraya still not really getting physical all that often 
uh, though she did interfere in this match. That's probably part of her contract. You want to? She is a special attraction as opposed to a regular in-ring character. She's wrestled one singles match, and, and then she's, she's had that tag match where she didn't get involved. She had a tag match on Rampage. Oh yeah, she has had matches. Yeah, it just feels like she's. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the momentum of Soraya slash Paige when I when she joined has no. been fulfilled. No, but she is also you know she is Sting. Mm. Uh, in the terms of you, you know, you save her for the pay per views, and also when you only have one women's match a week, it is hard yes. to, get, you know, it, it's it's she can't have a Danielson run uh, coming back from an injury because there's only one match a week, mm-hmm. and you can't have them, you can't have it every week because we've got 15 other women that we need to. Uh, I don't want to use the word service because it makes it sound a bit looter than I mean, but we've got 15 women and we other women we need to service in our roster, and I'm not giving you a second match so you you can wrestle. Once every three months. Soraya, I know I paid you all the money, but the baddies need to wrestle. <laughs> what are the baddies going to do? I've got to try and tell this story. I've got to do Jade Cargo versus Red Velvet again. There's no <laughs> other way I can further this story. What the, do you want me to do, Soraya? The gravel we won't row unless I do this. People need to know about Kira Hogan and how she's going to rejoin the baddies to turn on them again the week later. And the other one, who's no one whose name no one remembers. Layla Gray. <laughs> True fact. Sounds, sounds like a porn star. Um, I, yeah, so I think that's... Uh, but I will... Again, I don't. I want to be the positive voice in the room, even though I keep being silenced by this anti-AEW <laughs> bias that has infected WrestleTalk. I have been so positive <laughs> since the start. And I would even argue from Winter is Coming Look, I know and you, the Ricky Starks right. I know Triple H is paying your <laughs> way and he's sending you those little royalty checks so that you can say nice things about Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views, mm-hmm. which I've paid for a very well, nice jumper. Well, actually, that's an. In- I was thinking about this on the way into work this morning. The hottest thing in wrestling right now is a storyline. Sure is. I mean, the most compelling that storyline is, is in the in-ring angles. The matches are almost window dressing. No one is talking about the actual match between Roman and Owens just the post-match that came afterwards. And a lot of the matches... No one talks about war games. They just talk about the ending of war games. The hundred tag matches of various combinations of Usos and Sammy. No, it's all about what happened backstage and how Roman was interacting with them. Those aren't bell-to-bell in-ring bangers. Yeah. The stuff that makes people coming back week after week and getting excited about seeing matches are those storylines. Absolutely. And I'm just getting I'm just getting the payoff every week, which yeah. well, which hasn't been a problem until now because AEW also had really compelling characters, exciting feuds, and sto- some stories told over time. And uh, maybe that is what uh, you have with this main event here, because you have you have set up a story in that you've got <coughs> one team over here, which is Storm and Soraya. They're the the invaders, the mm. outsiders. I didn't even call them the freelancers at one point, even though. I, both of them are all elite. They're under contract. And then on the other side, you've got the AEW originals in Hater and Baker. And both of them are sort of not trying to... I mean, well, one team is certainly trying to recruit Ruby to their ranks, while the other one is saying, I don't think you should be joining them because we're trying to do something better over mm-hmm. here. Ruby's literally stuck in the middle of this feud, which is why I think a triple thread was a really smart booking choice to uh, further this story along. Because you have one representative from either act and the person literally stuck in the middle. And they told that story very well throughout the match, which is that Storm and uh, Baker 
constantly sort of butting heads and trying to get Ruby on their side. And Ruby was just out there to win a match mm -hmm. because Ruby wants to win matches to progress up a ranking system. <laughs> Don't mention the rank. Don't mention the ranking system. I thought they actually canonically got rid of it. They did. Yeah, it was like, don't mention the rankings. So, and, and the, way the, you, the way you advance now is through two battle royals. <laughs> or just winning the same match over and over mm -hmm. again. The trio's titles. But like, so she's just winning a match because she wants to go after the title. She, is, she wants to be a champion within AEW. So you had quite a lot of, a really, really solidly told story there. But there also wasn't a big angle mm -hmm. afterwards. The angle was Ruby won by throwing out Tony Storm into Soraya and pinning Britt Baker. And then afterwards, Soraya having a go at her, Jamie Hales lifting up the belt, and Ruby saying, do you know what? That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm letting you all know hungry. I'm hungry. And, really and want to eat once, a championship. Once I've had my nom-noms, it goes <clears> into my tum-tum. <throat> so she was making that signal. So I think we are either going to be getting Soho Hater in a singles match at Revolution, or... Soho Hater and Soraya in a triple threat, and you sort of mirror the story that you've told here, but with the other two parts of the this, you know, uh, quintet, mm -hmm. and maybe that's where you do the big angle, and then that's the story that you're talking about there, which is this, you know, the bloodline is not about the in-ring action, it's about the story, but we're not even getting any of that, so we're not getting great in-ring action or the story itself, so maybe we'll get that at the pay-per-view. I would just say do the story now. But, you know, but then we may as well just never really have stories because you may as well just like you set up one thing and then you just pay it off the following week. No, no, you can tell a story and just make it good. It's okay. easy. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is here, just Tony, just make it good. That's that. I think that's what it boils down to. Do you know, I mean, when you put it in those really <clears throat> succinct terms, I don't know why he hasn't thought of that sooner. Well, it's because he's... Yeah, he's not paying attention to his own product. Do you know the most amazing thing? It was going through Reddit, uh, you know, look, having a look at, uh, you know, the Reddit forum, Squared Circle mm. and all of this to see what the, the mood was around this show. And a lot of the negativity towards this show was around this main event angle. The one thing I thought was so stunning about that is this, oh, there's this new thing that wrestling fans have decided this is what's going to fix AEW. They need writers. Oh. Can you imagine we are living in a wrestling world now where WWE has convinced fans the way to solve wrestling is with writers? When our era of wrestling, it was uh. all about like writers are the things that are killing this industry. And what you need is just one booker. Well, scripted promos were awful for a lot of people. Some people did better with scripted promos. Cutting. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, yes, well, let's see what everyone thoughts on the Omega chats. Uh, Restore.com forward slash support. Send in your thoughts there. We'll read out the ones over five US dollars. BM Whitehouse 76 says, I like how the basis of Tony Storm's heel turn is that the AEW originals don't know what it's like to be successful in WWE, when the most notable thing she did in WWE was take pies in the face and get squashed by Charlotte. Something doesn't add up. She was a former NXT UK Women's Champion and a Mae Young Classic winner. I don't think. But that's... That's not the stuff. You don't fit that facetiously. Okay, thank yeah. you. I was talking about things that literally don't matter. <laughs> Kevin, destination. Uh, oh, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby's going solo. Uh-huh. I like that Ruby won so she could become number one contender, but this story of outsiders versus homegrown is so messed up right now. I don't quite understand much of anyone's character. Also, no Brian match. So, no. <laughs> so, minus five stars. Minus five stars. Uh,. This wasn't for anything, though. If this was a three-way for the number one contendership, I think I would have preferred that. But that's like a lot of matches are. You win matches and it builds up your stakes to put you towards title belts. In the same way that Jungle Boy didn't win a number one contendership around Brian Cage, he won a singles match, and that has moved him up some rankings towards becoming a singles champion. Yeah, but if Jungle Boy versus Brian Cage was the main event without the Christian return, you could see how that would be anticlimactic for an ending. So you're saying that what you need to say is uh, a number one contendership match at the end of every episode. Otherwise, otherwise matches are anticlimactic. I felt like you're absolutely absolutely right, Ollie. If you just always have contendership matches. And you know what else? (laughs) We should have pinfalls before ad breaks. Matt Hennessy says, Cody said recently (laughs) in an interview that he feels AEW lost their spirit 
After the all-out brawl, I do feel AEW has lost their spirit, the magic they once had. For me, AEW lost their spirit after Double or Nothing 22, from Punk beating Page to his injury to the Forbidden Door build to the never-ending JAS-BCC Eddie feud. I think with AEW for a long time, I thought I wanted an alternative from WWE, but I just wanted an alternative from Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and Triple H's booking of WWE has given me that. I also think AEW has pushed acts that aren't over, like the guns. I do think AEW's biggest issue right now is Tony Khan trying to push acts that are not over, like The Firm, or who have the wrong kind of heat, like the Ass Boys and JAS. It's frustrating not seeing acts like Eddie Miro and House of Black on TV over the acts that aren't over. I don't think I would <laughs> say that TK is pushing The Firm. They're just there now. They're just there. Yeah. And like The Ass Boys, I think you could argue, JAS are over. Like that, you can't say that JAS have got the wrong kind of heat. JAS are over. Um, I sort of see what you're saying in some aspects, though. I mean, I was the guy that said that uh, Paige should have beaten Punk, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> um, the catalyst for everything. But uh, I, what I think that Cody was not saying that AEW lost spirit in that there is some magic thinking. What he is talking about that that all in spirit of we are on a mission to accomplish mm. this. And I still think that there is something in that. It's just you cannot show that every week on TV. It's a different prospect when you're doing a weekly TV show. Mm -hmm. I I always say I think it goes back even a bit further to when Tony bought Ring of Honor. I think you can you can go back and like, oh, that was the first chink in the armor, first like this distraction of the mind. Um, martial arts sadly AEW has yet to learn how to write storylines for women they have a lot of depth in the hangman character arc it's mainly the women that are one dimensional <clears throat> you know what will not be one dimensional WXW 16 karat gold in less than one month seriously how much ultra chats do Dan and I have to spam you with to make you guys attend Europe's greatest wrestling festival we can't fit it into the schedule. I'm, I'm sorry. Not as a word. People are, you know, welcome to take holiday and go over and see it. But yeah, we can't go over and not make videos for that long. HDNA 33. I think AWWWE consistently have one good story going, but AEW is riding high off quality matches with now, which now that the shine has worn off, it's the weak booking is becoming more clear. I, it wasn't weak booking though. It was fantastic booking for almost two solid years mm -hmm. but it's again of you know it's what we were saying earlier like it feels like now the mm. the big the the banger matches are almost a, a distraction tactic from weaker points on the show because yeah. again i don't think and I, I sort of you know alluded to this a little bit earlier nothing on this show was bad oh i thought the acclaim follow-up was bad it's not good it's weak but it's not bad i i thought it was bad yeah, which is, which is fair. But I would say there was nothing on this show. Like, I didn't finish a show and I was like, oh, God, that mm. segment was awful. Oh, that interview was awful. Oh, that promo sucked. Nothing like that. But after every segment, I was like, that was okay. Mm. That was okay. That's weak. That's okay. And in some ways, that is worse. But, like, I, I think that sometimes as wrestling fans, we just get a bit fixated on just like, well, it's not five stars, then it, it, mm. it's bad. When it's currently the moment, it's just, it's a bit weak. I think momentum has a lot to do with this. If your company has a good upswing, sort of mediocre segments get reviewed a lot more favorably. But the last thing we saw from AEW Dynamite before this episode was the ass boys winning the titles. So it's a big 
bit of taste in the mouth that wasn't corrected from the start of this and sort of lingered. Particularly because, <clears throat> as I said earlier, the only reason the Ass Boys got the belts is because, well, I've got to look at the reaction. And I, I was making this joke in the office last week when Tempest was asking, why did they do it? I said, Tempest, think of the heat, brother. Uh, finally for now, John Rye. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting a little tired of Tony's booking. I don't understand the direction with the tag titles, the women's division. Maybe I'm wrong, but other than good in-ring wrestling, nothing progresses. They killed Ricky Stark's momentum. Well, that they definitely have done. Yes, I, that I would I would 100% agree on. I did have faith. Once it, once he lost the, uh, to MJF, I was like, ah, oh, but you can clearly see they're going into mm -hmm. a Jericho feud, and that should do something for him. And early doors, it did do something for him. He, he won that great match. Like, and they, and it just felt like, oh yeah, Ricky's on a bit of a tear now. But then it was like a lot of uh, JAS feuds. Is that well? Do you know what this needs? Three more months. <laughs> Right, so this episode of AEW Dynamite, please do keep sending in your Omega chats. We'll read out every single one over five US dollars. Opened with an eight-man tag of Orange Cassidy, the acclaimed, and Daddy Ass versus the TNA boys. Satnam Singh, so, well, he's not TNA, but him, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, well, I just call them Team <clears throat> TNA. Team TNA, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a great fun. I had great fun with this. Yeah. Because this has, okay, this was perfect. Let me tell you why this is perfect. Okay, so the acclaimed are great. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're grand and all. Uh, Orange Cassidy's incredibly over. He just has to stand there, and he's incredibly yeah. over. Yeah. Very very good. Brilliant faces to put against the incredible great heels you have in Team TNA. Jeff Jarrett, it's just, you know, one of the ain't he great? Jay Lethal is an incredible worker. So you've got your heat magnet in Jeff Jarrett. You've got Jay Lethal in your great worker who also gets heat. You've got Satnam Singh. Crikey, he's tall. He's a big lad. He's a big lad. And then you've got Sanjay Dutt. I love Sanjay Dutt. Oh, Sanjay Dutt gets in there. Mm -hmm. He's wearing a t-shirt as well as a suit. And he gets and he just does incredible comedy work. They're a perfect unit. Do you know what isn't perfect? AEW's production, because despite the fact that Satnam Singh is over seven foot tall, they shoot him to make him look like he's the same height as Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Why, it's that new high-angled camera. It's an error. I knew it would bite him in the ass. As such, when he stepped into the ring, they were like, oh, he's seven foot three. And I was like, is he though? Because he sure doesn't look it. If that was WWE, and I'm not saying this is better, I'm just comparing two opposite styles. The camera is looking up <laughs> from his feet. Vince knows how to book a giant. Yeah, as we've seen time and time again, <laughs> all those successful giants after Andre. Uh... I thought Sanjay Dutt's sell job off the orange punch was brilliant. Uh -huh. He sort of went backwards like a plank. Uh, fun match, can't deny that. The yeah. the ending as well, where they had, I can't remember who it was, but there was a setup for the Shiver Sisame Timbers and Orange Cassidy did the little kicks and the low effort kicks. And eventually it was hit and then the acclaimed got the win. Fun stuff. It was fun stuff. <laughs> it was such a fun opener. I had a grand old time with this. Any other week, fine stuff. But it comes off the back of the acclaimed literally just losing. Like if you watch these episodes back to back with the previous week's episode, the acclaimed lose, they come out, they do a little, you know, entrance rap where they say we're going to get our titles back. But the, the crowd weren't, you know, they were, they reacted, but... 
actually it claimed to have been the most over thing on the show, particularly those raps for months. They come out, ah, it's a it's a sort of normal entrance pop for people. And then to to wrestle a comedy match with and the ass boys come out and they just stare at the top of the ramp. I'm like, what is this? Why aren't why aren't Castor and Bowens taking this more seriously? As soon as those two come out, they should just run after them and try and beat the crap out of them. I think the ass boys have certainly killed a lot of momentum for and you know actually that's not fair it's not fair to blame the ass boys because it's the booking yeah. of of uh, this tag division that has killed the momentum of the acclaimed um as i said like i get why tony did it it's just, i don't think it's the right reason mm. to have done it and i don't think it has helped them in any way shape or form and in fact if anything it has hurt them dramatically well when they came out and i got this last week when they won the belts but i'm like okay that's you know that was them winning the belts they feel suddenly so low on confidence. Like last week when they won the belts, I wanted them to go, oh my God, you know, it's ridiculously over the top celebration, but they just kind of back up the ramp. Uh, cool, everyone hates us, legitimately. When they come out here, and is it, I, I always get them mixed up, I'm pretty sure it's Austin. I think it's great facials, he's a great promo, great seller. They just kind of stood there. Yeah, like where was all this swagger that you've had in the in the preceding months? Well, it's easy to want the titles, but the second you get them, it's like, oh, <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders now. Oh, I've got to carry these around the airport. <laughs> these are heavy things. But no, I think maybe it's just it's the weight of responsibility that you are now the faces, the face of the tag team mm -hmm. division uh, in a in a title win designed to rile up the internet, and the internet was riled up. They were like, oh, it's actually quite a reaction to get i don't think I, I disagree with your point on that being the sole purpose i genuinely think tony khan wanted to make a new set of guys with the guns and he thought putting the titles on them was the way to do it i think that's a massive error i think it's too soon i think it's only going to backfire but you think i think it was just done to annoy people i don't feel like tony khan's that kind of booker i think it was it was done for the heat brother hmm uh well this is all interlinked, so we'll talk about the two segments with the tag belts that happen later on. Mm. First off, the Gun Club have a little promo, and they it's announced that they will have their first title defense at Revolution, and it will be a three-way, and you'll have two teams. So next week it will be an, a normal battle royal tag team. The customary Revolution <laughs> tag team battle royal, I think you'll find. And then the week after that, will have the Casino Battle Royal Tag Team thing. And the winners of those two will make up the other two slots in the three-way. When they announced that, I was like, okay, I hate this every year. I don't know why they do it, but whatever. I think it's... Was it... Is it the customary uh, Revolution Battle Royal where it's the last two teams, the ones that make up the uh, thing? Because it was, a, it was that, that last No, that's year. for the Diamond Battle... Isn't that the Diamond battle, Ring Battle, battle Royal? Battle Royal. But this year it was different because MJF didn't compete. Because it was also a triple threat at Revolution last year as well. Mm. Was It was um, Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Mm. It's a tradition I don't care about. Yeah, and oh, I think yeah, it's yeah, clunky. Me too, me too actually, Clunky yeah. as all sin. Also, like the when you look at who are in the Battle Royal, I, I wrote down the names. It's Best Friends, Team TNA, the Lucha Brothers, Butcher and Blade, the JAS, Dark Order, and Nissan Daivari. Suddenly you're looking there, it's like, where did all the tag teams go? The trios division. 
But even then, that's just, that's House of Black. Mm. Where are the what's what's the other tag team swallowed up? I suppose Top Flight, I guess. Top Flight, Young Bucks, uh, Blackpool Combat Club aren't in there. Yeah, and like I think we should no be, FTR of no course. FTR. I the think firm. maybe they'll be in the casino. Uh, battle Royal. That was what I don't know is whether or not we have got the same teams going into the second Battle Royal as we have in this one. AEW's tag division is re- what used to be really, really deep. But even back then, it was never deep enough to have two separate Battle Royals to crown two different contenders for the Revolution matches. This year, it really doesn't work. But whatever, you're doing it. Okay. I hear that. I'm like, right. So the acclaimed are going to win one of those matches. Yeah, particularly because at the end of this match when they won, the acclaimed stared down the ass boys. And I was like, oh, we're still going without her. We, I'd, have probably, I'd have probably moved on to something else. But no, later on, Renee is making an announcement backstage. The acclaimed come in with daddy ass and they announce like they're really good, vengeful babyface heroes. Well, we're going to make it a four-way at Revolution because we're invoking... Our automatic rematch clause. Rubbish writing. Really bad booking. That is bad. Although, I get what the intention of this is. They're not stealing a spot from another team. They wouldn't have to steal it if they won the match. Well, that's the problem. It's because they're not in the matches, it would seem. Book them in the match, then! (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but they're not in the matches, Ollie. So you you have to think of a different way around that problem, don't you? And that valiantly, they're not stealing spots from anyone else. They're allowing two other teams. Look, this is going to be a smaller card because we've got an hour-long main event. So we have to get all 100 guys on the card somehow. Mm. I thought this was really bad booking. I thought it was a terrible follow-up from last week. Last week, I was like, oh, I don't think this is going to work out. But maybe maybe if they have an absolutely banging... I th- you can go back and watch last week. I think I said, if they have an absolutely banging follow-up, at the start of next week's episode, maybe they can make something of this. And this was so far from that. And the idea that the acclaimed, who have perfect justification to really angrily want that title shot, get it in this way of the the lame automatic rematch clause contractual specification part. So, so lame. Yes, that is lame. It is uh, quite weak. Shout out to two lines of commentary, though. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, there was a point when they were talking about uh, Jerry Jarrett. You know, it's very sad that, that Jerry yes. Jarrett passed away. And Tony was like, hey, do you know what? Like, Jeffy's a very good worker, even if he is one of the most hated men in wrestling. And Taz just says, and I believe this is a quote, yeah, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. <laughs> and the other line that I thought was a really bizarre line is when Orange Cassidy is making his entrance, I think it was Tony Schiavone said, is there a hotter person in the singles division than Orange Cassidy? I was like, I don't know. Brian Danielson, the guy who's going for the top title? Maybe it's him. I don't know. You can't even blame it for being the ad break on the fight. (laughs) Genuinely, in one of the ad breaks, which we hear because we watch the international fight feed. Not to brag. uh, They started talking about, I think it was Tony Schiavone's new cholesterol medication. (laughs) During the ad break, I, lo- during, I love it. During the ad break of the main event, Tony Schiavone made a reference to "We're just normal men, we're just innocent men." He made a reference to that during the fight yeah. commercials. Brilliant. Uh, Danielson had a promo from last week covered in blood. It looked really good. Uh, we had a really good tag match. I thought a bit sloppy at the start, but 
Mox and Roosh are just made for each other in the in their sort of brawling. And and Roosh and Claudio as well paired off really nicely. I think they're setting up some Ring of Honor world title feud off the back of that. That's what I got the impression of as well. I think I'd sort of written into my head that it would be Claudio versus Mark. Mm. But yeah, going by this match, I was like, uh, it looks like it's it's Claudio Roosh at the pay-per-view. I thought Preston Vance was was pretty decent as well, uh, getting mixed up in there, did a blade job, as did Moxley, of course. Yeah. And the the end was Moxley choking out Vance with a chain. Awesome finish. It was nice to see a, a rampage act make it onto Dynamite. <laughs> uh, so that was all good. Um, cuts backstage and Hangman Page, who was watching that match, you know, because he's obsessed with Moxley. Uh, and Butcher, Blade, and Kip Sabian beat him up. Dark Order made the save. Then we got one of the best things on the show. Wardlow had a sit-down interview with Jim Ross, and Wardlow is not the greatest promo. And he starts to tell this story mm. about his father, and it had all the sort of cheesy setup of, yeah. I said in my review, like an America's Got Talent X-Factor style. Here's the sub story before they come out and do something amazing and you get four buzzes. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'll strap him for this. By the end, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, this was really good. Uh, he told a very, you know, story about his father and how he's had a, not a, the strongest relationship and how, you know, his father went, went away for a little bit, sort of walked down them, but they then reconciled. But by the time they had reconciled, he had cancer and, he got to go see him in an indie show. And like, he, he was like, get one of my first indie shows. And JR was like, oh, cool. Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> but then, he, unfortunately, he passed away. And, J- and Wardlow says that he had long hair and a beard. And that was the moment when I started growing my hair out and I grew a beard. All of a sudden, Joe cutting off Wardlow's ponytail has so much more emphasis and drama around mm. it than previously. It was just like, I think man buns are lame. And yeah. he cut the man bun off. Now it's actually like, no, you've you've somehow, act, almost by accident, Joe, made this personal. But it's not by accident. Because the whole setup of this is that Joe knows all of these personal stories mm. because they used to be a tag team. Yeah. Great, great stuff. The only only criticism I have is, oh my God, tell this before you cut the man's hair off. I did think this, yeah. Because that, if that, when they cut the hair off, it was just like, oh, wow, they, they finally got rid of it. I guess Wardlow wants to change his hair, as opposed to being totally caught up in this brilliant story that Wardlow's just told. And that act of the cutting of the hair becomes a, a hugely emotional, charged act. Then the only problem you might have had is if you, you'd you have to find a way to uh, very naturally sneak into conversation. Oh, by the way, I grew my hair out and mm. my beard because my dad had long hair and a beard and then he died of cancer. So then a few weeks later, you can do snip, snip, snip. Yeah. Because otherwise it becomes Chekhov's hair. I watched Netflix's <laughs> new movie, Your Place or Mine, last night. And we were and uh, they very do this. unfairly critical of this film. And they do that all the time. Hey, And you said it was bad. Don't you have to go and take your accountancy exams in New York now? I told you that I wanted to be an editor, but I have to do this because I have a child that I need to take care of. Why don't you just get together with that man you had an, like you had sex with in 2002, but now you're best friends for two decades and he lives in New York? Well, I can't do that because we tried these sorts of things and then I got into another relationship. I guess it's because you are really neurotic and hyper-focused on your child's health, while he, he just can't commit, can he? He only does jobs for six months as a consultant. I like how uh, 
he won't take the stickers off his um his glasses. That was actually a good a good character beat. Yeah. Everything awesome. else was utterly <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite a good little movie. Uh but now I'm really looking forward to I was looking for I'm always looking forward to Wardlow versus Joe. But now I'm actually looking forward to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, <clears throat> I, and I'm glad that we got this beat. Because mm. when Wardlow attacked Joe a couple of weeks back, I remember saying on this show, I was more into the Derby feud. Yeah, yeah. But now I am like, oh, no, okay. Maybe there is going to be something to this. Mark Briscoe took on Josh Woods next. I really like Josh Woods. I think he's he's got a really good way he moves around the ring. Had a beautiful, beautiful corkscrew clothes, uh, suplex off the, the apron. It looks like he wrestles in swimming trunks, though. Yeah, but that's part of his threatening MMA boy vibe. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the MMA guys do look like they're wrestling in their swim shorts. They wear tiny booties. They've got exposed knees. <laughs> and they've got little swimmy shorts on. Those tiny booties are very <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> my first night I wrote this, for whatever reason, the Lucha Brothers run down and brawl with Tony Nice. Yeah, Texas, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that was weird. Well, they're in the Battle Royal. Right, okay. Yeah, it, it felt a bit shoehorned, didn't it? But it's their next feud. But Mark... Oh that's what you want the Lucha Bros, isn't it? <laughs> Feuding with Smart Mark Sterling, Tony Nese and... <laughs> Ryan Tavari. Ari Tavari, yeah. Leila Gray. <laughs> uh, Mark Briscoe, of course, was fantastic. So great. Just the noises he makes around the ring. Yeah, what? Hang on. I re-watched his promo from Rampage quite a few times over. He's so great. Woodsy! He is. He's so good. Have you seen, you know, it's shared quite a lot, um, but Jay and Mark would do those uh, just sponsor reads and things like that for Ring of Honor. You know, that like Jay, I remember Jay Lee always used to do, if you've got back pain, kick out. <laughs> <laughs> like every, every week on ROH TV. But there's Mark, no, sorry, Jay trying to do a serious ad read. <laughs> Mark just <laughs> nonsense speak. Rip! <laughs> Uh, hit the froggy bow for the win. Love the froggy bow. It's one of my favourite moves. Adam Cole did an interview. Interesting this. Mm, well, yeah, if you want to talk about momentum coming to a grinding uh, halt. I'm starting to think he's not cleared. I. It seemed like he said that in this promo, mm. which is that I uh, I look out of that ring and I'm not, you know, I'm not in there just yet. It made me think like, are you not cleared to wrestle? Because I thought your whole point of like, I've got some bad news. For the AEW locker room. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he sort of talks about small victories currently being that, you know, his eye doesn't twitch or he doesn't have to pull over to vomit. Um, but I just, I do feel, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, it's awkward because it's a man's health, but at the same time, I feel a bit cheated because he told me he was cleared. I'm not blaming Adam Cole, I'm blaming the booking. And I read a comment that someone speculated maybe that Adam Cole thing was done, rushed early because they'd accidentally told everyone that Sasha Banks might be there on that show. That's what I think as well. <clears throat> so we've gone from all thinking, well, he's definitely having a match at Revolution to... Well, he said he was going to have a match at Revolution. I didn't come no, across No, no, in his like opening that. promo, the promo when he came back. Did he? He basically said, I'll be at Revolution yes. for a match. And this was, this did not feel like I'm going to have a match at Revolution. I think it was, though, because they talked about the sort of people he wants to face, mm. and he's got a few ideas in mind. It's just that, like, I mean, the, the problem with this interview segment is that it achieved nothing. Yeah. 
Apart from making me stare into Adam Cole's eyes. Which are dreamy. Yeah. But it's achieved nothing. And it felt like this was here because, well, we haven't done anything for the last month and a half since he came back. So, well, I'll just have Renee talk to him. But we won't actually say anything in the promo mm. segment. But at least we put him on TV. Watch this space, I guess. I'd love him eventually to be a proper babyface challenger to MJF. I think that that's probably a massive summer feud. Honestly, this gave me the vibe that he's going to turn heel immediately. (laughs) (laughs) That's what AEW need right now. (laughs) Because he sat there and he was talking, I was like, I don't believe you're a baby face. I think we've just got too much PTSD from all the other times. He was so nice in this promo. (laughs) That's the problem. He was too nice. Uh, MJF then comes out. This is my favorite thing on the whole show. Because the show then cuts the break. We get to see what happens. MJF. It's just on a mission to make the crowd hate him. Because the acclaimed stuff, it wasn't a great crowd up until this point. You know, quite middling. Not not to the extent of the awesome crowds we've had in AEW as of late. But he throws his chewing gum at someone in the crowd. Let's a woman kiss him on the cheek and then sticks up his middle finger to her boyfriend. Posed for a selfie. Then slapped the fan's phone on the ground. These didn't feel like plants. No. They were, I'm pretty sure they were real fans. And the last one, he goes up to another drink and chucks the drink, another, another fan, and chucks his drink in his face. It was incredible. A heel being a heel. Every time he did something, the whole crowd went, oh, <laughs> louder and louder and louder. Yeah. He rolls in the ring and he says, This is quite the line. Now listen here, you dumb, fat S words. We're not on TV yet. I can say whatever the F I want. Um, oh, sorry about my language. Uh, if anyone's got children here, I don't care. And anyway, if we weren't in Texas, maybe they should have been aborted. <laughs> they should have been. It was a hell of a hell of a line because then you can almost say, and three, two, <laughs> one, we're live. And it's like the crowd are <laughs> just new. MJF's there. Oh my God. It's certainly a way to attract some heat. He took a crowd who were mostly this, not disinterested, that's unfair, but they were sitting on their hands a bit to a nuclear top 10 crowd noise level. It was the equivalent of, um, uh, 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 oh no, I've forgotten the guy's name. Oh no, he was the backstage interviewer for TNA. Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash. This was akin to Jeremy Borash, what he used to do at TNA shows, where he'd go out like, the loudest people mm. will get to go backstage and have their picture taken with Brutus Magnus. <gasps> and then everyone would just make a massively loud noise <laughs> to come back from the break. So it was it was a lot better than the actual segment. Not that the segment was bad. It's just like it segment. again achieved nothing. Oh, I, no, I disagree. I okay. think it's actually added a lot to the MJF character. This told us more about the MJF character in this feud than we have had previously with okay. this. Um, he invited Christopher Daniels down, and it seemed like there was a setup where Daniels was going to bury Daniel Bryan publicly, oh, Bryan Danielson publicly, because MJF had paid him money. But Daniels immediately goes, MJF tried to pay me money. I'm not going to say the things he wants to. Brian Danielson is the best wrestler in the world. He did this, 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 and this. Gave us a sort of mini history of early noughties indie wrestling. Reference King of the Indies. Mm. Uh, Brian Alvarez was in that tournament. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, he says that Max 
hates him so much because Danielson is the best wrestler in the world and the fans love him. And I think that's a really interesting wrinkle to MGF's character. We were talking about this in the office earlier, which is some people point this out from the match he had with Takeshita last week. There was a point during that Takeshita match last week where MGF flipped out of a move and landed on his feet. Mm -hmm. And it was another one of those moments where you go, oh, if Max wanted to, he could just go out and do the indie style and, and blow everyone away. But he chooses not to because he's a heel. Whereas now the more I think about it, it's like, no, he chooses not to do it as a character mm. because he doesn't want to have that associated with him because he has got it into his head that I do not want the fans to love me because people have rejected me throughout my life. So I do not need your affection. However, he also craves that mm. affection for the exact same reasons that he was rejected a lot when he was a teenager. I think it's just a fascinating little character thing. And I think that's what this segment was here to be. It was Christopher Daniels to tell him, like, you're not the best wrestler in the world. Brian Danielson is. And I think that's why MJF hates Danielson so much. There's a, so much a dichotomy there. He wants to do this Iron Man match to prove that mm -hmm. he can be the best wrestler in the world. But he also doesn't want yeah. the crowd to acknowledge that he's the best wrestler in the world. But he also wants them to acknowledge that he's the best wrestler in the world. He he obviously hates adulation, but simultaneously craves it more than yeah. anything because of what happened to him at school, and which he's which he said kayfabe character wise in a in the promos with Punk was he was in that sort of jock group and they bullied him uh, with anti-Semitic abuse, but he of course still wanted to be in with them. So it's very toxic relationship with other people oh i can't let you like me because as soon as you like me you'll just turn on me it's this awful feedback loop that he's got for himself and yeah i agree that was in this i knew that already though that's why i say this i feel mm, like this segment didn't fair. progress anything yeah, yeah that's fair um and i also don't know if it was the most engaging way to present it yeah, I mean, christopher Daniels coming out to zero reaction did yeah. make me a bit sad because it's christopher daniels yeah I, I think the only reason why I would say that this felt like it did progress something is like what you mentioned there is that some of this was brought up during the punk feud. It's never really been established in the Danielson feud. Mm. I don't feel like this aspect of his character has been established in this one. I mean, for example, when he announced that, oh, you've got, I want you to win matches on TV. The first, we had a lot of you know people sending in criticisms of like, this is the same as every MJF story. And I feel like it's moments like this. It's like, no, this is what differentiates. Mm. Like Max has this framework, but he always twists the framework up to make it, no, it's completely different to mm. the feud before. And just looking at it as you have to do X amount of matches is a very base level at just looking at how this feud is mm. structured. Uh, Daniel slapped Max or pie-faced him. And MJF hit a low blow, coward. Uh, and then the soul of the earth and Danielson chased him off. There's also not ever been any Danielson Daniels interaction on screen. You've just got to know because Ring yeah. of Honor. And they, and they told you on commentary. Yeah. I just, but, you know, Danielson, in theory, has a whole uh, faction. Do you know what? The, uh, well, <laughs> on that note, when he said there's a man that he looks to like a father figure, I was like, is he going to bring out William Reed? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, after that, we got Jungle Boy versus Brian Cage. Fun match. They always have a good match. Yeah. Um, David versus Goliath story. And afterwards, after Jungle Boy won, uh, he Christian made his return. 
and Jungle Boy went up to him, pepper spray, Christian reveals that his arm is no longer injured, took off the sling, hit a kill switch on the top of the ramp. This segment would have worked uh, better had Jungle Boy tried to not, had not tried to attack him. Because Christian comes out with his arm in the sling and Jungle Boy like goes up to attack him mm. and then Christian attacks him with the uh, the mace and then reveals the thing. was like, well, I don't think the arm would have been out. He was going for you regardless of the arm anyway. If you'd have done the whole like, oh, you can't yeah, touch yeah, yeah. me because yeah. of my arm and then he holds up, then he sprays and reveals, actually, no, my arm is fine. You could have attacked me all along. The, se- the It probably would have landed Mm-hmm. a lot harder than it did i did feel from this though that we are setting up jungle boy versus mjf for double or nothing whoa really yeah they were because he was hungry he didn't do I mean, he is hungry he wants some nom nom for his tum tum mm. but they were really hammering this idea he's going for a singles championship and he's one of the pillars mm. that's, that's one of mjf's big thing i wonder if they they're going to set up a, it's a pillar versus pillar match for double or nothing not Sammy Guevara. It's <laughs> Sammy Guevara. It's either him or Darby. Well, yeah, because he's already taken on Starks or Brit. <laughs> uh, after that, we got. I would love that to be the main event. I feel like we're getting Jungle Boy Christian uh, Revolution, though. Oh yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because what that show needs is more matches being added. Renee did the tag title thing we've already covered. The Elite are backstage with some basketballs and AR Fox and Top Flight come in and they're like, well, we want a rematch. And whatever, we've already had that match last week. It is strange how Tony Khan has just gone from never, so rarely doing rematches, they would have numbers next to them. Oh, it's it's Sheeda Deeb 2. You know, that would be a huge deal. Uh, now it's, oh yeah, you... You had a match last week. Here's another match. Yeah, just do it. Which I'm not against. It's just, it is a change. And in this particular instance, I'm like, oh, that is a bit too soon. The thing that struck me more was Tony didn't want to launch the trio's division until he had the elites back. Like That was his whole thing. He was waiting for Kenny to get cleared before he would launch the the trio's championships. Mm -hmm. It feels like now that he has the elite, he's really not that arsed. (laughs) It's like you, you did your, your best of seven series yeah. with the, the Lucha Bros and yeah, now I'm, I'm really not that arsed. Well, hopefully we'll get something now because I don't know if you saw what happened. Mm. There was a very brief Tyler, Dur- Tyler Durden. Yeah, Tyler Durden. Yeah, from, 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 from Fight Club. From Seven. <laughs> very quick flash of the House of Black. Yeah, which will be a fun revolution match. Buddy Murphy versus Kenny Omega. I mean, that... Yes. Oh, if they I'm... touch the universe, will <laughs> I'm more. I, I think I want to see uh, Kenny and Malachi. Mm, that's yeah. that's what I'm. I'm really really yeah. keen to see. I feel like Buddy's got too swelled now. He can't move as much <laughs> as he once did. So like, he's just he's too big of an action figure now. Yeah, he needs the muscles to to fend off Rhea. <laughs> His muscles are too. He's got zero. He's got less points of articulation mm. since he got bigger. So I just feel like now I'm not really going to get the Buddy Kenny match I thought I could have done. Um, but I think that would be great. I wish there was more build for it for towards Revolution. Mm-hmm. Hangman Page took on Kip Sabian afterwards. Kip's really good. Uh, did a lot to try and give this a story by attacking him backstage. Was wearing Hangman's cowboy hat. But he didn't get an entrance and he lost to uh, a move that wasn't even Hangman's finisher. Is he wearing hat? Page's cowboy hat. Page doesn't really wear a cowboy hat. He was just oh, okay. he was just wearing a cowboy hat, and they were like, 
disrespect from this <laughs> man. I was like, it's not his, is it? Um, I actually thought the commentary did a really good job talking about how these two men, one of the first mm. two matches in AEW, yeah. Kip Sabian beat Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara on the double or nothing uh, buy-in. And page one, the Casino Battle Royale. Mm. I thought that was actually quite a nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. What history these two have sort of shared across this company with those two accolades. That Sabian Guevara match was really good from what I remember. It was. Uh, but yeah, one with a dead eye. It was more to set up Mox, Claudio and Yuta coming out afterwards. And Mox said, look, I know you inside and out. Now, Mox was fantastic here. I know you inside and out. I, I see you watching my matches. I know what you're going to try and do. But. Just let me tell you, it's not going to happen. And Hangman's like, I can't have our last match be won by a technical finish. And you don't want that, I. Yeah. And Mox is like, mm, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kill each other. Uh, have a match where no one can stand up again. And Mox eventually says, Texas Deathmatch, but not before, at Revolution, but not before the Dark Order come down. Because Mox has a line like, you haven't, got, you haven't even got any friends to talk you out of this dumb idea you're going to commit to. Yeah, out come the Dark Order. And Paige mm. was very upset that the Dark Order came out here because presumably he told them not to. And uh, the evil Uno got into Moxie's face. I thought evil Uno standing up to Moxie was, was pretty that cool. Was cool. That, that was, was cool. That was cool. And they set up a match for <laughs> Moxie and Uno next week. And that's when, and I love them, Mox, you know, staring down Uno but just moves past his mm -hmm. face to announce Texas Deathmatch to Angman Adam Page, literally looking through Evil Uno. What's your thoughts on this Dark Order involvement? It's not a well-told story. <laughs> basically my thoughts on this. It's mm. Page, at the start, when Page was doing stuff with the Dark Order, it was really, really cool because it, it felt so nice off mm. the back of uh, all the Elite stuff. And I think that culminated in that 10-man tag um uh before all out and i think since then the dark order are with hangman page when someone else needs to say you've got no friends and then it's just like like they magically appear yeah, yeah. behind to be like oh but what about us these annoying imps <laughs> but, but realistically i i mean here's where someone will tell us what well, you need to watch being the elite mm -hmm. because from what i watch watching dynamite it feels like they're not really ever together anymore yeah. they are there when they are needed for plot purposes yeah and they're a mcguffin faction the, there's also so few of them now like i can't there's no Stu grayson there's no alan angels it's it's just three preston vance yeah no preston vance of course uh negative one wasn't out there it's just three guys now yeah i just yeah it doesn't it's feel not good. it doesn't feel like as cool as the group has done previously we'll say though the um Man, when Blackpool Combat Club came out, like when it was Mox, Claudio, and Yuta, and they all came out together, I was like, man, this group is really cool. Mm -hmm. I wish we'd seen more of them together because they are dead cool. Add a Danielson in there. Yeah, even better. Uh, then we got a Jericho JAS promo. Oh, you'll never guess what we're setting up here. Is it a Starks Jericho match? It is a Starks Jericho match, but before that, he's got to face Daniel Garcia. My God. Um, runs through the Revolution card and Stokely Hathaway backstage reveals Hook has been suspended pending investigation after being caught in the arm bar thing last week. There's another faction that is only three guys, uh, two of which were not part of the original lineup. The yeah. firm is now Stokely Hathaway, Ethan Page, Matt Hardy and Isaiah Casti. Someone did tell me though that he is the the Ass Boys are still listed as the firm on AEW's roster page. 
Well, it was me me bringing this up a couple of weeks ago, right? Because you said they're still part of the firm. And I said they were part of the original. But they're firm. not on the match graphics. Mm. Not called the firms, the guns. Yeah. But Brian Cage is the embassy's Brian Cage. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the guns. William Morrissey. We're, we're not sure if they are part of the group or not. Ethan Page. Yeah. And then Lee Moriarty. Lee Moriarty. Yeah. Stokely Hathaway. Matt Hardy. Because they, and Isaiah because, Cassidy. Because they presumably bought, Mark Quinn. Yeah, because they bought the contracts of Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and Quinn. But Quinn's out injured, so Isaiah Cassidy mm. is just there to make his little noises. And then we got the main event for the women. So overall, I, I you know, this was a, a very weak show by my opinion. I gave it sixty percent. Three is, out of five. That is the way I would describe it. Mm -hmm. It's 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 not a bad episode of the show. This was not a terrible episode of Dynamite, but weak mm -hmm. is a word to describe it. Well, I think by extension that means bad. It's definitely below average. No, no, because no, for me, like if something is bad, that makes me when it finished, I was like, oh god, that was bad. Like that mm -hmm. was an awful show, and I didn't like this and the other. Weak, I think, is it's above that in the sense of that it didn't inspire me any further but yeah. there was nothing actively bad on the show there was some stuff on the show that wasn't good but not active there was no lily winking you know what i mean like oh you know shana basically being chased backstage yeah. by a puppet like there was nothing that you're that great when you're watching me like oh this is dreadfully terrible <laughs> this is insulting intelligence this was just an okay wrestling show but by a company that's got ridiculously high mm. standards it's not it doesn't match up to it Uh, well, before we get into your remaining Omega chats, let's say a wonderful thank you to our $25 a month or more pledge hammers. Always leave the crowd wanting Brian Moore. Pick him up. Lo oh, I missed that one out because I can't say it. Pick him up. Loot sponge. Le Meilleur Amand links the sun. Lord Chris Zanto. Too hot to handle. Lodi McCulloch. The Shulamin... Oh, sorry, the Shulma Enigma main event Sammy Uso. Manipulating Manny Omaria. How'd you like them apples, Marcel Jura? Marcus, he's got so Campbell. Have a glass of sherry, Martel J. Simmons. He's got two first names, Matt Howard. And lastly, for this Hall of Fame class here on the 16th of February 2023, the real boss, Matt Robinson. Thank you ever so much. We'll be recording our Wrestle Talk extra review of No Way Out 2000 next week. That's it. We're going that money. That'll be out next Wednesday. Yesterday was the release of After Dark. Uh, a clip of it was shared out on our social channels where I talked about buying some new underwear mm. um, because I realized that the underwear that I was wearing at that point had quite the hole in them. And then that's fine. You're going to want to cover that up with some green spray, spray paint <laughs> and then do a hip attack uh, these are some missed chats from Tuesday's Raw episode so Giant420 Ginger says morning Pete Mince Meek and the, bl the blonde conqueror Dan Layton it has been a while since I caught you live when Jake asked Sammy at the chamber I will be Huh? Still weird to see Cody in WWE, but him having too much creative control doesn't seem to work for future. Mm. Uh, Aaron O'Hamrahamrahan for 17 months in a row. 
Hey guys, when the Ole chant started, I just smiled. I just want Sammy to win on Saturday. His emotion was real. Also, Otis is the best. Love you guys. Um, I don't think Sammy's winning. See, I've gone for him on Wrestle League. I've s- gone with my heart. Yeah, I know. There's a few people in the office who have gone for Sammy. I think it's only me, isn't it? No, I think Dave's gone with Sammy no, as Dave's well. Dave's gone for Roman. Oh, Dave's gone for Roman. No, uh, Dave had a wild choice with who his Joker pick was, I think. I think he put his Joker pick on um, Edge and Beth. Yeah. I think it's a mad choice. I would have put my Joker's on. Ro- I've got Roman winning, and he's my Joker <laughs> pick as well. Uh, I'll do these ones here from Caleb, a.k.a. or formerly known as Mr. Higglesby. He said, I was happy to hear them mention my hometown of Eagle Pass on commentary. and was surprised to hear that Blackjack Mulligan was also from there as well. Jam that jam. Also bring back Wonder Ollie. Mm. Bacon Rasher. Hi there, lads. Now that Christian has returned, I think AEW needs to get back to basics. (laughs) The cage, page, cage, page, and the blade in a cage on Rampage. Any news on the new WrestleTalk watch-along party as of yet? P.S. I hope all of Sonny's predictions are correct. Jam that jam. He's gone for Sammy. He has gone for Sammy, yeah. And that is his Joker pick as well. Mm. Putting all of his eggs in that Canadian basket. Um... Watch this space for the watch long party. Working on it. Uh, Richie R. Kip Sabian versus Hangman ruled. I hope we get more amazing Kip matches on Wednesday nights. I really like Dan Layton, yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's one of my favorite people. DX Solo has been a member for 18 months in a row. Says, hi guys, I hope you're well. Just wanted to thank you for, uh, for your intro into Blood on the Clock Tower. I'm now on a stream playing regularly and it's such a fun time. Oh, glad to hear it. So yeah, it's a real fun game. Uh, Mayor of Painsville Dan says, Hi, Ollie and Luke. This is German Dan. I hope you're doing well. I know how TK can fix AEW. Come over to Europe and watch 16 competitors from around the world battling very prestigious tournaments for some ideas. Just like TK, you're also invited to see it. <laughs> Hashtag 16 carats. John Rye said, Also, Ollie, if Luke leaves to work with Stephen Larson, where can I send my audition tape? I got a full head of hair and can grow a beard. Plus, I'm Puerto Rican and I can help you with that Hispanic demo. Much love, you guys. Make my day at work go faster. Uh, We've got a next in line program. Uh, we mainly just recruit college athletes at the moment to host the WrestleTalk News. And just a little note here from Stephen Larson that says, uh, some love to Luke uh, from the front <laughs> And also, hi, Ollie. What the hell? Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into too much detail now. Uh, an offer has been put out. What? I mean, well, well I'm, I, I, I'm not going to use the words contract tampering. Some people might, uh, but I, I, I don't think I would use those words. Stephen, how did they do this on a stream? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say no more. Uh, I, I mean, if, if I, I may have to put you in touch with my, 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 my lawyers and my solicitors. I am your lawyers and solicitors. <laughs> well, right. Anyway, you know them then. On that bombshell. Uh, thank you all for joining us here today. Just as a quick uh, end point here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode, we've got your poll votes in. 14% thumbs up, 26% thumbs down, 59 thumbs in the middle. Mm, middling. But but isn't that, is that Trent? How, how many thumbs down? Uh, 26% thumbs, thumbs, 25% thumbs down. And how many thumbs up? 15. Oh, wow. Trend, yeah, definitely trending down. Interesting. Uh, but thank you all for joining us here today. If you haven't already, please press the subscribe button and leave a comment down below. Go check out the rest of news over on our other channel too. But for now, I've been Ollie Davis. It's been Luke Owen, D-A-D, Jam That Jam.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.